0: What's up, everybody? This is the brand new Scorch and Trails podcast on the Blazers Uprise Network. I think that's what it'd be called, right, Tori? I don't know, but you know Network. it is. I
1: love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah.
0: It's, it's Tori Jones. I'm Stephen Vaughn. Uh, we're here. We're back. Uh, Tori, we got the name. I, I don't know if it's official official yet that this is going to be the official name forever, but I think I think it's good enough. It's good enough for now, and I think I could grow on me a little bit. Blazing, I just forgot what it was, but uh, Blazing's... <laughs>
1: Blazing trail. scorching trails, scorching trails. We could go with blazing trails too. I keep we could thinking go blazers. Scorching. That's yes, yeah, scorching yeah. trails. Uh, I i like the flame. I like out. the flame aspect because we have a fiery show, Stephen. Like we we go at it. You know, the other podcast we've launched. You know, me and Eric agree on like almost everything. Um Eric's new podcast, Hoops Crush it. they're just both positive, positive guys. And then uh, we got 503 from Twitter on, and he's pretty – he keeps it pretty even-keeled. So, you know, this is a fiery podcast. I love the fiery aspect. So I don't know if Scorching Trails will stick, but, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where we'll roll with it, and then if we find something better, maybe we'll change it. But until then, this is what we got.
0: Yeah, I like it. And I think it's funny because it's like – this is the fiery one, and it's also like, I think I would be considered negative, but at the same time, you're also considered negative. But we also think differently. So we're both mad, but we're both mad about certain things that are different. Like, it's very weird. Like, it's a different dynamic. So I, I, I'm i down with
1: that. I'm, I'm cool with it. I fill the void when you're positive is what I do.
0: Yeah. And when you're positive, I'll fill your void with negative. Mm-hmm.
1: Great balance. Yeah. Y- yin and yang. Before we jump into today's podcast, I want to give a huge thank you to Manta Sleep Mask. Manta is a company that is dedicated to keeping you well rested. From their normal sleep mask to different variations like the sound sleep mask, from cooling eye cups to aromatherapy, they have you covered. Seriously, look at this collection of items that they have for you. Like, this company seriously wants to keep you energized because they want to get you a good night's sleep. But maybe it's not a night's sleep. Maybe you work and you want to be able to take a little nap at your desk. They literally make something for that too. They also have some of the most stylish blue light glasses that I've ever seen I mean look at these things these things look great You'll probably see me wearing these on stream this year. I'm on a computer all day long, or my phone right before I fall asleep. And these glasses block blue light, which is melatonin disrupting. So I love having Manta Sleep as a sponsor because they are truly committed to taking care of you. And I've had a lot of Blazers Uprise subscribers say that they love their Manta Sleep Mask. So if you want to get yourself a Manta Sleep Mask or any of the other items on their website, there is a link in the description box below and use my promo code UPRISE for 10% off. So not only are you taking care of yourself, you're also taking care of me because that promo code does help me out. Get someone you care about a Manta sleep mask or take care of yourself with one. Manta has you covered. Thank you to them for sponsoring this podcast. All right. uh, Let's start off here.
0: I know uh, we were talking about this a little before we started and I just need to get what you're thinking on this. I don't even understand what you're talking about. So, this is going to be on you. Uh we're talking we're talking about starting lineups for the Blazers. I think it's pretty obvious that the starting lineup's can be Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, Matisse Thybul, Jeremy Grant, and then uh Deandre Ayton. I, there's no way they're going Ayton and Robert Williams. There's no way Scoot's not in the starting lineup. I don't think Shane Sharps going to start because Matisse Thybul is, you know, the uh quote unquote lockdown defender that the Blazers want and need and they got him in the lineup for a reason to play defense. Jaden Sharp, not known as a defender. And then when you got Scoot Ant uh, on the backcourt, you kinda need that other defender and Matisse is that guy. I, I just don't see where else they're gonna go with it. And Chauncey kinda has done this before where, you know, he started uh you know with like Justice Winslow. He goes with that veteran guy. Matisse Thibel seems like, you know, the uh the old Chauncey guy going forward. So for me, like it seems pretty obvious that's the starting lineup. And then you're talking about Chauncey's going to mess with Shaden Sharp's minutes. I need to hear you on this because, like, I get it. He's not going to start. So maybe he's not going to get 30 minutes a night, but he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. So what do you – please enlighten me with what you're talking about so I can tell you uh, how wrong it
1: is. Yeah, so I'll give actually the people a little bit of insight into before we record uh A lot of times we're struggling to think of what to record. I'll just toss out maybe my most controversial thought out there. And probably the most controversial thought I have right now going into the season is Chauncey might mess with Shaden Sharp's minutes. Um, And, you know, I'll explain that in a second. But that's basically what I tossed Steven. Just so he could start running with what I could mean by that. Um because yeah, it, it, we have so many conversations where I start to explain what I mean, and I'm like, "Wait, no, let's save it. Let's save it for the show." So that's one of those. What I,
0: I, so I'm on the edge of my seat, just like everyone else is. Like, I can't wait to hear what you're gonna say because I have no idea where you're going with this. Because we're talking about the, he's gonna mess with Shane. Sharp. No, he's not. He's not gonna mess with Shane Sharp's
1: minutes. I'm planted very firmly in my seat. So, I, I hate the idea of starting Thibault ahead of Sharp because for me, this season is all about development, right? So, I want Shane Sharp to start. You look at Scoot, Simons, Brogdon, since they didn't trade him and they're going into the season with them, Thibault and Sharp. That's five legitimate rotation players. High quality rotation players. Right? They just paid Thibault $11 million a year for the next three years. They matched his contract. If they weren't going to play him a legitimate amount of minutes, I don't think they would have matched that contract. If they weren't planning on playing Brogdon a legitimate amount of minutes, I think they'd probably just trade him for whatever right now. I mean, maybe they're hopeful that they can get better deals at the deadline, but I don't really see his trade value going up. It's hard to say, though, without knowing what is truly on the trade market. So you're looking at five guys at three positions. Steven, Scoot, the third overall pick. Simons, I think, is the best player on the team. We might have to have that conversation a little bit later in this episode. Uh, You got Simon, Scoot, Theibel, Brogdon. I do think there's a legitimate chance that if Chauncey is hellbent on trying to win every game, that those four guys might play more minutes than Shaden Sharp. And there's not a ton of minutes to go around if Simons is playing the same amount of minutes he played last year. 35 minutes a game. If Scoot's playing 30 or whatever they're going to play him for. If Brogdon's playing, I don't know, what do you expect? 24, 25 minutes a game? Same thing for Thibault. I'll do the math. That's, let's see here. That's 115 minutes at three positions. You still have 29 minutes left over for Shaden Sharp at the three spot. But if Scoop plays a little bit more, if Brogdon plays a little bit more, you're getting down there into the lower to mid 20s. I want Shaden Sharp playing over 30 minutes a game this year. I am slightly worried that it's not that he won't get a consistent opportunity, but I'm worried there's going to be games that Chauncey leans heavily on Malcolm Brogdon or heavily on Matisse Theibel and heavily on Scoot. And we saw it last year, even when Shaden Sharp was playing good, there was times where Matisse Theibel was playing much more than him right after the Blazers acquired him. So I, I am a little bit worried that there are going to be games where Sharp only plays 18-20 minutes if he's struggling. And I want Shaden Sharp having the freedom to play through his struggles. I want him to have the leeway to play through his struggles. When they gave him responsibility last year, when they gave him over 30 minutes a game, put a bunch of the offensive responsibility on him, he played really, really well. Part of the reason I want him starting is I want to give him the challenge of guarding the best opposing player at the small forward spot. That's not necessarily the most optimal lineup. The most optimal lineup for winning every game is starting Matisse Thybul. but when it comes down to a season that I think the number one priority is developing Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, Shane Sharp, I think Shane Sharp should be starting and I don't think there's any way he should be playing less than 30 minutes a game, but when you have four guys that could be playing a ton of minutes and especially a couple of veterans I mean I guess Stiebel's a veteran on this team and Brogdon is definitely a veteran you know Chauncey seems like the type of coach that might lean a little bit towards a Malcolm Brogdon type of player so I'm just worried about that I am not um saying that Sharp's not gonna play enough I don't know yet you know that's something that we have to wait and see but if he's playing under 26 minutes a game, I'm pretty unhappy. I want him close to 30 minutes. I would personally play him more than that. Um, so that is kind of the, the number one of the n- main things that I'm looking for going into the season. How many minutes is Shane Sharp playing?
0: I think, um, okay, that makes a lot more sense what you're saying here. Uh, I do tend to agree with you that there's going to be a guy that gets less minutes than we expect. And it may be Shane Sharp at the start of the season, at least at the start of the season. Um, And I think it is because, you know, Chauncey's going to want to try to win. The Blazers are going to try to win. I think the Blazers think that they could win. So they're definitely going to try at the start of the season and they're going to you know put the best foot forward. I mean, you go and you look at Shane Sharp's numbers last year, he averaged 20 minutes a game off the bench last season. You look at Malcolm Brogdon, he won the sixth man award and he averaged 26 minutes a game. So, You know, I think you're right on with that kind of number. If I had to bet, I would say Shane Sharp is closer to 20 than he is 30 in minutes per game. Um, I think that's fine at the start of the season, and then you play it by ear how it goes. If the season goes down the drain like it could and the Blazers end up trading, you know, Jeremy Grant or Belka Brogdon or whoever it is, and they're looking to, you know, reload again, that's when you get Shane Sharp to get those minutes. But I think... At least for probably the first half of the season or so, when the boys are trying to contend for that play-in spot, I think Shane Sharp is going to be closer to 20 minutes. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I would love to see him get you know more, but I think right now, just with how the roster is, even building for the future, like you're trying to, if you're trying to trade Malcolm Brogdon, you want to prove that he's healthy, you want to prove that he can still play. You Got to get him his minutes. I, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying, but I disagree with the fact that it's like. It's gonna be this huge problem if Shane Sharp's not getting 30 minutes. Like he's gonna get 22, 24 minutes a game. If he plays well, he's gonna get 30 minutes. If he doesn't play well, he's gonna have the games like he did last season. You know where he's getting 17 minutes a night. You know there's numerous games last year you look at his you know his box scores, his game logs. It's like he's three for 11 for 17 minutes in the game. Like he, I think there's gonna be a lot of that where he's gonna get a lot of shots when he gets into the game. He's gonna have the offense run through him a lot in the game. Uh, but if he met, if he makes mistakes, I think that's when Chauncey's just going to – he's not going to necessarily take him out right away, but he's going to limit those minutes. And, and you think that's a real problem just because you want them to develop Shane Sharp at all costs.
1: Yeah, well was there not something to letting a young player play through his mistakes to a certain extent? Like, I understand it when he's a 19-year-old rookie, never played in college on a team that was trying to make noise early in the season. But on a team like this, where he's going into year two, he'll be better than he was in year one. And he was pretty solid as a rookie already. Like, is there not something to just letting him play through his mistakes and giving him that leeway so he can figure out in the flow of a game? Because in the end, if he's going to end up being a star, you're still going to have stretches where you struggle as a star player even the best players in the game have stretches where they struggle the greatest ones can snap out of it pretty quickly or learn how to play through those struggles impact the game in other ways or just find some sort of rhythm whether it's getting to the free throw line getting out on the break or whatnot so for me is there not something to letting Shaden sharp play through those struggles
0: I think that there is, but I I think this kind of goes back to what you said from last year. Like, I don't think that the Blazers are going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the play-in. But I think they believe that they can make the play-in, or they can at least contend for it. So it's going to be like the first half of the season, up until the trade deadline. They're going to see what they got. And at that point, then they're going to pivot and make a decision like, okay, we're really going to go for the play-in. Or we're going to trade and we're going to go for next season. I think if that's the case, that's when Shane Sharp starts getting all the minutes like he did last season. So I, I think just to start the season, I think Chauncey's going to want to have Shane Sharp off the bench. I think he's going to want to play him 20, 25 minutes and let him figure it out that way. Because that also shows you know how you can react to that as well. when things, you A know, little adversity in his game. Like, this is a guy, you know, top prospect. Could have been the number one pick had he gone and played at Kentucky. You know, John Calipari has said that numerous times. Have a little adversity. You're not getting the minutes like you think you should. All the shine is on Scoot Henderson. He's the rookie, and everyone's, you know, touting him. He's getting the 30-plus minutes a night. What a little adversity there, Shaden. So, I I don't know. I I think I'm, like, I'm kind of with you, but I'm kind of not, because I think that this Blazer team really thinks that they can compete for a playing spot, and I don't necessarily disagree with them. I would never pick him to make the play-in, but I think that they can at least compete for the first you know, 40 games, kind of like they did last season. And then at that point, they make that pivot. I think the more interesting question for me, Tori, I want to hear you point on this, your view on this, is, and Scoot even addressed this a little bit, like him making mistakes and him playing through mistakes. He, he even said, like, yeah, I know Chauncey's going to let me play through mistakes, but he's not going to let me just make mistakes on the court and play me how big of a lease do you think he has because the Blazers do have Malcolm Brogdon. The Blazers do have Anthony Simons, who you can throw him in a pinch, and you can play him at point guard, and you can throw him in as the backup point guard and say, hey, Scoot, take a seat here. We want to win this game. We got Shaden Sharp. We got Malcolm Brogdon. We got Ant. Is there going to be games where Scoot plays 24 minutes because he's making mistakes because he is only 19 years old, he's going to have these type of games where he really struggles? I think that is a little more interesting than the Shaden Sharp part because there's just so many guys – that play the same position as Shaden Sharp, like, someone's going to get less minutes. And I I feel like Scoot, even though Scoot didn't play in the NBA last year, Shaden Sharp did, I would say Scoot's more NBA-ready than Shaden Sharp is. So I wonder what Scoot Henderson's leash is going to be. Like, what do you think that's going to be with Chauncey?
1: I think there needs to be a balance between holding guys accountable in terms of minutes and letting them play through mistakes. You know, I I don't mean it to sound like, oh, Shane Sharp should be out here playing 34 minutes a game where he's turning over the ball 20 times a game and doesn't get taken out for it. Right. right. right? Because there is a balance there Um, with Sharp, just to kind of summarize the earlier segment, I'm just worried it's going to skew a little bit towards two little minutes if i had to guess but i'm probably over worrying right now you know um as far as scoot goes you know it's just what is that balance between um holding him accountable and letting him play through his mistakes because i think the type of mistakes that should be held accountable the most are effort mistakes or like really really bad mental mistakes he doesn't seem like the type of guy that'll be out there making effort mistakes where he's not running back on defense or not hustling for a loose ball or that sort of thing. Like, I don't think he'll need to be held accountable in that regard because he has that chip on his shoulder. Whereas somebody like Shaden Sharp, there was moments last year where it was like, uh, how, why didn't you get that loose ball? Why didn't you contest that shot? You were right there around the rim and you put your hands behind your back on defense, you know? Well, so, the, g-
0: the game comes so easy to Shaden Sharp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Effort is, is the number one thing that I think needs to be held accountable. I think school will be fine in that regard. So, um, you know, it's something where a lot of his mistakes are going to be pre-planning things, um, throwing a pass before reading the defense, just assuming it's there. That was a lot of his turnovers he had in the G League. Um, was just like not... There was times where... And he's really good at making reads, but there was times where he wouldn't make a read. He would just assume a play is there and try and make that play, and it wasn't there. Um... But that's the sort of thing where that should improve with reps, right? And for me, I want to develop him as much as possible this season. Sometimes taking him out of the game might be the best for his development in terms of holding him accountable. But I think just continuous reps at the NBA level will be what's good for him. Um, Because I do think he's going to be a little bit turnover prone early on. But allowing him to... um, make numerous reads in a game especially against some of these defenses that run the same defense throughout the course of a game like that's what dane was really good at he would start games kind of slow feel it out and then would really turn it on in the second half um just because you know a lot of defenses in the regular season they don't switch things up a ton during the course of a game so i think that's just where the reps come into play but that's the tough part about coaching a basketball team right you have to figure out what that right balance is and there's is is not some clear cut thing,
0: and we're gonna figure out if Chauncey can coach this year. Like, I think that's the uh, the ultimate line for me this year is like we're gonna figure out can Chauncey actually coach? Because the first two years, I mean, they weren't trying to win, so he did a great job of not trying to win basketball games. Where now, I think it's like you know what they've completely turned over the roster. The only guy that's left before Chauncey is Anthony Simons. Like, that's the only guy that is left. And, it, it, you know, Jeremy Gray is the second longest tenured port in the Trailblazers right now. And that's pretty crazy to think about. So, like, it's legitimately his roster of the guys that he wants. So, we're going to learn about Chauncey. I, I do think I do think there's a little bit of a worry with Shaden Sharp. You talk about, like, the effort. Because he makes it look so easy. I mean, I him and, like, Zach Levine are, like, the two dudes in the NBA that make basketball look so easy. And it makes me so jealous because... It's like I always had to work so hard. Everyone has to work so hard. Zach Levine and Shane Sharp, man, they just glide. They just glide on the court, and they just make plays look so easy. It's just sickening to me. So I think there is a little worry of, like, is Shane Sharp giving a lot of effort, or is he just going off of his natural ability? And I think there's a little bit of question that. And I think back to the earliest point of you know playing time, for me, I think the best thing to do for a guy like that, not giving effort, is to take him out of the game and let him see, like, all right, look, you need to play better, you need to play harder. I don't think those are the type of things you let him play through those mistakes. Th- like, those are mental mistakes that you need to learn from off the bench, you need to be punished for. Like, you know what? If you're not playing hard, you can't play. And so I think that there's going to be some of that, and I think the Blazers, there is a little worry about that with Shaden Sharp. That is just, you know, he's coasting almost because he's so talented, so... I don't know. Now I kind of talked myself into, I think Shane is going to be playing about 20 minutes a night to start the season, even though I don't necessarily agree with that, but like, I, I think that could come to fruition. I don't know. Like, what do you think about Shane Sharp? Like, is it a, is it a lack of effort thing or is it just like too much ability? Like the guy is just so talented. He doesn't have to necessarily look like he's giving effort every single play.
1: I think it's a combination of of a bunch of things. I also think part of the lack of effort on defense is just him not having the confidence to be able to contest somebody driving to the rim without fouling. Because early on in the season, he made more of an effort when he got beat off the dribble to try and get back into plays, and he fouled on a lot of them. So it just seemed like he kind of just gave up when, he, when his offensive player had to step on him. And that's the thing in the NBA. Like, you're going to get beat off the dribble a ton. The greatest defenders can stay in the play and make up ground and... Um, flip their hips, turn, run, cut guys off. And that's what Shane Sharp needs to do if he's ever going to reach his potential as a defender, which I think he has a lot of potential, but he is a long ways off. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. I 100% agree with holding effort mistakes accountable in terms of maybe cutting his minutes you know I just don't want it to be something where like oh he made the wrong read we're gonna sub him out um you know if it's a sub him out to explain it and then you're putting him back in the game fine but I don't want his minutes being cut because he's trying to make the right read or trying to make the right play and making mistakes and you know I I will admit Chauncey seems like the type of coach that is pretty good about given a little bit of that leash like maybe I shouldn't be worried about this whatsoever it's just um you know it's something that piqued my curiosity considering they're keeping Malcolm Brogdon if the Blazers weren't keeping Malcolm Brogdon then you know Shane Sharp is gonna get 30 minutes a game like who else is gonna play but the fact that they're keeping Malcolm Brogdon the fact that they brought in Robert Williams and will probably try and play him a little bit next to DeAndre Ayton. And then, Tamani Kamara apparently has looked good during training camp, and he's a guy that looked good during summer league, and he's a four-man. They drafted Chris Murray in the first round. Jabari Walker had a good summer league. Like, I think there's a chance that Jeremy Grant slides down and plays some three, and that would eat into the minutes available for Sharp. So, um, it's just going to be curious to see how he works works out this rotation.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it'll be interesting because yeah, you're right. I, you know, Kamara has looked good down at training camp from what I've heard. Um, you're right about you know summer league. You know, Chris Murray, he is what he is. I think people like him with the Blazers organization. I don't know that they necessarily like, love what he does, but you know, there, there's some things to like about him. Um, and then same with Jabari Walker. Like, I think they really like Jabari Walker. And I want, I would say. Out of those three guys, I think Jabari Walker's getting the first crack of, like, backup minutes. I-, I think they really are kind of invested in Jabari. They think he could be a really good backup player in this league, which I'm fine with. Like, he- he's definitely shown those flashes and deserves that shot. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting going into the season. But, um, you know, training camp, you know, down in Santa Barbara, all uh, reports, Scoot is awesome, very fast, great leader. Uh, you know, all the things that I'd love to hear. I love Scoot. You know, he... The thing I heard, Tori, and this kind of cracked me up a little bit, it's it's funny, is like the one thing the Blazers are kind of worried about with Scoot is that he's too confident. And like almost to a cockiness over. Because there is. There's that fine line. There's the fine line between confident cocky. I was always very confident when I played, and I never considered myself cocky. Like people said I was cocky, and I was like, no, like I'm just very confident in my skills.
1: People thought I was cocky. People Thought I was cocky yeah. in high school.
0: I, I think I think Scoot teeters that line, but I don't know. I mean, I need to see him play first, obviously. But my initial impressions after seeing him and hearing him talk is that he's just very confident, and I'm not worried about it. But you know, I have heard that the Blazers that's like the one thing they're kind of worried about. You know, he, he's coming in with the gold plated uh luggage into summer league. You know, he's got all you know, he, he's Scoot Henderson in, in the uh in media day. He said, you know, I'm not Damian Lillard. I'm not trying to be the new Dame. I'm Scoot Henderson. This is a new era for a reason. Like, hey, Dame, get out because I'm here. Like, that's basically what he said is like, they traded Dame because they got me. They don't need him anymore. They got me. So, like, I mean, it's, it teeters. It teeters to cocky, Tori. Uh, Do you think that's a problem with Scoot? Because I don't. Uh, but I obviously need to see him play on the NBA level first. Like, if he can't back it up, then yeah, it is just cockiness. But at, right now, I tell you what, I love Scoot Henderson and everything about Scoot Henderson. I, I want him to be great. I think he says all the right things. I think he does all the right things. I think he wants to win. He's a dog. Like, he's a baller. He's going to do anything he can to win.
1: Um, but I'm not worried about it. Uh, how about you? I think the only time cockiness is a problem as an athlete is if it breeds complacency. Like, oh, I've made it. I'm Scoot Henderson. You know, I'm that guy. All of a sudden, you don't feel the need to work as much, maybe. Um, When you have that level of confidence in yourself, some guys, uh, you know, they, they don't work as hard as they did when they were trying to make it. Right, because it's a little different once you get into the league. We've seen athletes have that problem.
0: You get that money, yeah. You get the money and you relax.
1: One hundred percent. We've seen contract years, right, where a player is playing for that bag and then they get paid, and it's like, oh, I I got paid. Cool, I'm good. Right. So I think I think the only problem with cockiness is if it breeds complacency. But Scoot, from all accounts, seems like he has a really, really good work ethic. And I don't think that's going to change. He seems like a guy who just loves to work, um, loves to get into the gym, loves to grind. So I'm not worried about that with him. Like, even if he is cocky, you know, just as long as he puts the work in to get better, then he'll back up that cockiness, right? Just like Michael Jordan did, just like Kobe Bryant did, right? Because those two guys were extremely cocky or confident. You know, what's what I don't even know. I don't even know what the difference is, but what's the difference between confidence and cocky? Steven, it's one of those things where when
0: you see it, you know it, right? Like they said back in the day, it's like uh, porn. Like you, when you see it, you know what it is. I, I think with cockiness and confidence, it's like J.R. Smith was cocky, right? Yeah. But like you said, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, they're out there talking trash. They're just confident because they're so good. Like it's just you see it and you know it. And I think the better Sco- you are,
1: if the better is it, yeah. the better you yes. are. The more it's confidence, whereas if you're not as good, it's more cockiness. I need to rack my brain.
0: I'm sure there's some really cocky players that are really good, but like I feel like Steph is almost cocky, but at the same time he backs it up, so like he can kind of do whatever he wants on the basketball court. Like I don't have a problem with him, you know, telling everyone to go to sleep, and he's getting a ring because he's winning rings every year. Like I don't have a problem with it, but like I don't know. At the same time, Steph's a little cocky, wouldn't you say? I don't know. Uh,
1: I've I've never. I've never liked his antics on the court. See, that's what I'm saying. Like I think he's cocky, but like Well, his antics aren't even cool. His antics are kind of corny, man. The whole mouth guard out the side of his mouth, the shimmying and then he's the dad, like, put him to sleep. Bro, like imagine it's, it's da- imagine jokes. Damian Lillard every time he shows up in public and sees a camera looks at the camera and points on his wrist. That's basically what Steph Curry was doing the sleeping thing in public like when he's not playing. Uh it just it makes me cringe. So <laughs> He, he seems so humble coming into the league, too. So that's a guy where it's like his success seems to have gotten him to the point where you could consider him cocky because I don't think anybody considered him cocky coming into the Davidson, league. David Davidson, he was confident. Yeah, he
0: was just fully confident
1: at Davidson. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, there's no I problem know. with school. School will be fine. School will be fine. Um, If that's the biggest worry, then there's really nothing to worry about. That, that was kind of my takeaway is like
0: if that's really what they're worried about they're not they're not worried about that guy like they love this dude and they're gonna see uh what he can do all right this i also want to talk about as well uh this was a big talk at media day and it got me thinking a little bit about it but i kind of had my mindset already but you know talking about the blazers like blazer history has always had like the dude right you know whether it's bill walton whether it's uh you know Clyde Drexler like he was the guy you like Brandon Roy he was the dude um i think you know even in the early 2000s and the late 90s that's kind of a tough one i don't really know who the dude was i guess probably Scotty like Rashid wasn't that guy because he wasn't necessarily the leader of the team but like Scotty was the dude on the team then of course Dame he was the dude who's the dude on this team is it Anthony Simons is it Jeremy Grant is it DeAndre Ayton like is it going to be one of those guys? Is it none of them? Is it Scoot Henderson? I, I think there's a lot of options, even Shaden Sharp, I guess. There's like five options you could choose for this question. I think there's a right answer, like who the best player is going to be this season and who the best player is going to be in the future. Like for me, obviously Scoot's the guy in the future. But if I'm looking for this season, I think the best player is Anthony Simons. But it's him or Jeremy Grant. Even you'll say saying- It's him or Jeremy Grant. Yeah. It's him or Jeremy Grant, but like Anthony Simons, the, I tell you what, I've heard this Tory down at um, training camp. He looks much better than he did a season ago, and he is embracing the leadership role. So quietly, he said. I heard quietly, he is embracing that role. So we'll see what that means. But uh, I mean, I would lean Anthony Simons right now. But Jeremy Grant, good solid vet, but I think you know, I think the guy, if the Blazers do want to be somewhat decent this year, it's, it's Ant, right? Like Ant's got to make that step up from. Really good player or, you know, above average, really good to
1: all-star caliber. Dude, Ant's going to... Bold prediction. Ant's averaging at least, I'll say 24 a game this year. At least 24 points per game. I think he's going to take that step to the point where maybe he's not an all-star, but people consider him an all-star caliber player. I think this season he will be looked at is better than CJ McCollum ever was. And that's simply because he's he's just a better three-point shooter and can do similar stuff off the dribble. He can do similar stuff off the dribble. But I also think he's a little bit better playing in the flow next to a guy like a Shane Sharp, next to a guy like a Scoot Henderson. And I also think... This team is going to play at a faster tempo and I think that will benefit Anthony Simons being able to fill the wing and and get up those threes the biggest scorcher right and I'm going to use that phrase because of the the podcast title the biggest scorcher he had last year was against Denver you remember that third game of the season and a lot of his threes he was just pulling in transition and then he's athletic you know like I think a fast paced offense will benefit him I think he's set to take a step. I think he's clearly going to be the best player on the team next year. When he played without Dame, his numbers were phenomenal. Um, When he was the lead guard, numbers were phenomenal. And having a guy like Scoot, who's a little bit more of a table setter than Dame, where, you know, obviously you defer to Dame for a good reason because it's Damian Lillard. But Scoot Henderson, like... Scoot Henderson is not going to be the lead guard in that backcourt. It's going to be Anthony Simons. Scoot will, I think, do a really good job setting the table for him. Maybe it's lobs in transition, lob sets, kickouts for threes. Like, I think, I think Ant's set to have a phenomenal season, and it. I do think there's a legitimate chance that once the trade deadline comes around, we're having the conversation of not necessarily only trading Ant in order to start, start Scoot and Sharp in the backcourt, because that's kind of been the feeling. is like, in the future, we're going to have to trade Anthony Simons so we can go all in on a backcourt with Scoot and Sharp. I do think there's a chance that Anthony Simons plays well enough next to Scoot Henderson that we're having a little different conversation around the trade deadline. I don't disagree with you.
0: Um, I think that is a possibility. I think and we need to see it on the court how Scoot and Ant play defensively together, right? Like, you know, you're always higher on Ant than I am defensively, but I think we can both agree, like, two smaller guards in the backcourt. We've seen this for years. Like, one of them has to play really good defense. I don't know if it's Scoot. I don't know if it's Ant, but one of them has to. And so if neither of them do, I think there's a possibility where it's like, all right, well, maybe we can't do this. But I I think you're right. I think Scoot's really going to help out Anthony Simons. I think there's going to be a lot of times where Scoot is going to be – I'm not going to say passive, but I would say like aggressive to pass, right? Like he's going to look to pass more than he scores. And and Dame never did that. Dame never had to do that. You know, I, I always kind of say like Dame kind of made other teammates better, but I never thought he made them like really good. It was kind of like, hey, you know what? If you're going and you're cooking, I'm going to get you the ball. If not, I'm going to look to score myself. I think Scoot's going to have the mindset, especially early on as a rookie, you know, in his first couple of seasons of, I need to get other people involved. Like I'm the new dude. I need to get the vets going. And I think you're right. Anthony Simons is going to benefit a lot in that situation. What's your sense on how the scoot Anthony Simons backcourt can work long term? Because I feel like for me, it's always going to be, you have to look to trade hands, right? Like I, I just, the small backcourt, I know it can work. It can But it just hasn't worked for the Blazers, and it's one of those things like, I don't want to see this again. I don't want to see Dame and Simons 2.0. I don't want to see Dame and CJ 2.0. Like, I want to see something a little different. That's why I'm glad the Blazers got rid of everybody. Just do something different. Try something different. What's your sense on the Scoot Ant backcourt long term? Like, is, is it going to be a thing where when they're both, you know, when Ant's 28 years old, Scoot's 24, 25, like, they're really good, and you're looking at them like,
1: okay, this is an elite Western Conference team. I think they have a chance to be a top two or three backcourt in the league someday. I mean, maybe in the most optimistic world, they become the best backcourt in the NBA someday. I can't rule that out. But do
0: you think defensively they can figure it out? That's the the
1: worry, right? It's all about defense, isn't it? I always thought the small backcourt being the reason why the defense sucked was always a little bit over-exaggerated. CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard were a part of a a top 10 defense at one point. They had the right role players around them. Alfred Gamino, Mo Harkless, Yusuf Nurkic back when he was still a solid defender. I think that was the year that he broke his leg was the year that they were, I think, Canter Cantor, too. You forgot how good Cantor oh, was. God, I don't know how they beat Denver with Cantor. <laughs> 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 Against I, I Jokic, think Hey, but. I think
0: we're going to find out. We'll find out, though, also with the Bucks this year. How does Dane play defense there? Dane even said, like, I'm not terrible on defense. I just kind of was in a bad spot. Like they got Giannis, they got Brooke Lopez. I mean, two of the best rim protectors in the league. Like, I think Dame could be. If Dame's fine on defense, I think you're right. I think I think the backcourt could work, and it could give a little future like hope to Blazer fans. If you want to go, Anthony Simons as part of the future.
1: Yeah, well, Dame's gonna have more energy to expend on defense, playing next to that Giannis too, and too. having uh, just he's gonna have the most catch and shoot threes ever. He's if he averages th- averages thirty a game next year, it's gonna be maybe his easiest like high scoring season ever because it's just I mean that offense is
0: going to be so sick dude
1: yeah like he'll probably make three or four threes a game where it's just open catch and shoot because how do you defend Giannis you got to form the wall you got to form the wall the thing is Brooke can shoot Middleton can shoot so Giannis drives defenses will get cut stuck in rotation but at the end of that rotation instead of it being Drew Holiday it's Damian Lillard like good luck have fun trying to defend that but I always thought the undersized backcourt, it wasn't that it wasn't a problem. It definitely made it harder, but I don't think that having a backcourt with the size of Scoot Henderson and Anferty Simons is destined to fail because of defense. I I don't believe that whatsoever. Dame and CJ were able to have a top 10 defense because they had the right role players around them, and I think Scoot and Simons, can be a better defensive backcourt than those two guys were, right? Maybe that one year was a fluke where they overachieved. I don't know. But if if height of the backcourt was that limiting, you would think that they would never be able to be a top 10 defense if it was truly something set in stone as a legitimate problem that wasn't over, able to be overcome whatsoever. The thing is, is Scoot is strong. He has really long arms. Scoot will be able to guard some twos. He's a little bit shorter than Anthony Simons, but you know me, I've never based the size of a player off height because that's basically just where the top of their head stops, right? If you have a giant forehead, you might be a couple inches taller, Steven. But, you know, I care about when you're contesting shots, trying to grab rebounds, trying to deflect passes, standing reach and wingspan. Scoot has a six foot nine wingspan. And then also, as an undersized guy, you got to be able to hold your own in the post and not get backed under the rim. And Scoot is so freaking strong that I think he'll be pretty good in that regard as well. And and since we brought up Damian Lillard, that was actually something where he was really good as a low post defender. It was really really weird, Um, especially when he got switched on to guys like yeah, yeah, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. You know, I just remember him having good moments against both those Celtics in the low post. Um, So. I think it can work. I think it it will work defensively if both those guys, you know, are solid. I think Scoot has a little bit more potential on that end than Anthony Simons, but I think Anthony made strides last year. Still a long ways to go to be a solid defender, but he made some legitimate strides, and I don't think he was as bad as some of the advanced analytics say. So you know, if Scoot can be an above average defender and Anthony Simons can be average to slightly below average, like I think that's good enough given what they would give you offensively, as long as you have the right role players around them in the front court. Well, do they have that? Is
0: DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, Jeremy Grant, uh, Matisse Thibel Are those guys? the type of players. I mean, I, I, I would argue Robert Williams is kind of that guy. Deandre Ayton, I guess like he's more athletic, but you know, is he a elite defender? Not always. There's a lot of times where he's not, you know, I think it's the proof is in the putting on him. Like we've seen what he has not done defensively and how Monty Williams basically turned on him and got the whole entire Phoenix Suns organization to turn on him. Was that real? Like, is that, was it deservedly? So I don't know. I don't, he doesn't think so. Uh, I know P- there's some people in Phoenix that don't think that he deserved all the, um, all the complaints as well. I, I don't know. I just obviously this isn't a you know a done roster by any means. Joe Cronin's gonna have to make more moves to get this team to compete. But you know I think right now they have a good enough role players around them to figure out if the Anthony Simon, Scoot Henderson, backcourt can work defensively. I, I think they have enough pieces right now where we can kind of see after a year. And be like, all right, th- this actually could work, or you know, we really need to reevaluate
1: everything again. What's fascinating about that is I feel like Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton are two guys that seem like they should be really, really good defensively, but they aren't really, really good defensively. You right. know, like they seem like they're better than they are on the defensive side of the ball. Not that either one of them is bad by any means, but. A lot of people had the notion that Jeremy Grant was a guy that you could put on a guard and he'll have some lockdown moments against star guards and be that multi-positional defender and can carry your defense as an on-ball and off-ball defender. And then going into last season, you know, you're we were warning people like Jeremy Grant on guard's Probably is not going to work out because he can't get through screens. You know, watching back that film from from the bubble, which is where he really got that reputation, that was my biggest takeaway, is he can't get through screens, he's going to get screened out of a lot of plays, the NBA runs a lot of pick and roll, you can't lock down guards unless you can get through screens, and then all season long he got cooked by guards because he's just not good getting through screens. Part of it's not even his fault as a bigger dude, especially as these guards shoot deeper and deeper threes, where, you know the big has to come up even higher and then it's easier to drive around them. Like it's really hard to defend them pick and roll wise. And as a big guy, you have a little bit more mass to try and get through that screen. So that's the thing. That's the thing with like Jeremy and then Deandre Ayton. I'm fascinated to watch Ayton on a game in game out basis, play defense, because just when I watched Phoenix Suns games, it was like their defense is good. How much of it is Ayton? How much of it is, you know, up until the trade deadline last year, you had Mikhail Bridges, Chris Paul, when he got there, was still okay, right? Cam Johnson developed into a solid defender. Um, Devin Booker has made strides defensively. He's not good, but nobody ever thought he'd be average. I'd say he's probably an average defensive player right now. He made some big defensive plays in that first-round series against the Clippers last year. So I'm really fascinated to watch DA. Like, he's athletic. And quick off the floor. And I feel like whenever people see that type of big man, it's like, oh, he's a good defender. Because he'll have some impressive blocks and cover ground quickly here and there. Drew you is (laughs) exactly who I was thinking of, too, when I said that. Um, But, you know, just the the little things on a possession-by-possession basis is what I'm curious about. Like, can he hold his own in the low post? Because... He doesn't seem like the type of big that that will hold his own in the low post like a Yusuf Nurkic would, maybe. Um, also, will he consistently be in the right spot? There's a lot of little in- intricacies defensively that I'm really curious to see from D.A., but I don't know, man. Like, you would think that if Scoot, the word is he's making a bunch of defensive plays in defensive stops in training camp so far, and you got Theibel there, Grant, Aiton, Robert Williams. Like, personnel-wise, this should be an average defense. Maybe even slightly above average. So I think, you know, if we're sitting here a month or two into the season and they're a bottom 10 defense, I don't know if that's because of Scoot and Simons. It might be that you just got a couple of guys on this team who don't live up to their reputation defensively.
0: Yeah, I think um, Nurk was a fascinating player in Portland that, you know, we loved him, that a lot of people didn't love him, and I was part of the Crew that was like, you know, they, they just got to get rid of him. I feel like with DeAndre Aiden, Tori, there's going to be a lot of games where I'm watching him. I'm like, man, I think Nurk could have done that. Or I wish Nurk was back. Like, what is he doing? Like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of frustration with me and DeAndre Aiden watching him every, game in and game out. Like, you see the highlights, you see things, you're like, all right, this guy could do it. And then it's like, no, just watch him every game. And you figure out, okay, this guy just can't do it consistently. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of that. And I'm a little worried about that. Um, I do think overall, like it's a it's an upgrade over Dirk with DeAndre Ayton, so
1: it is what it is. But there's a little worrisome there. I 100 agree with all of that, man. I mean, and I warned people, you know, the people that complain about Nurkic being soft. Well, DeAndre Ayton is pretty plays pretty soft too. It's a little bit worse if you're gonna go in here and say I'm dominating and you're going out there. Sweet playing Sweet nickname soft. though, yeah. Sweet nickname, but you kind of gotta let other people call you that. Not you can't really call yourself that I mean if he's out there getting 30 and 15 boards sure call yourself dominating but you better go out there and dominate then um Aiton just the big knock on him is for as athletic as he is he doesn't try and dunk enough and that was always a knock on Nurkic right and I know a lot of Blazer fans are excited like yay we finally have a center who will dunk Nurkic was just groundbound, man Nurkish was a ground bout. There was times where people wanted him to dunk, and it was like, I don't know if he actually physically can. Um, right. Like, I get, I get wanting him to throw down as a seven-footer, but there times where it's just like, he, he can't dunk from that far away on someone. The thing is, DeAndre Ayton, in a lot of those situations, maybe can because he's freaking athletic for his size, and there's a lot of times where he there's small guys around the rim and he just tries to lay it up or finger roll it or shoot a floater when he could easily dunk on them that to me is more frustrating when you're capable of throwing it down on someone and you have the opportunity to and you don't do it because nurk a lot of times it just felt like he wasn't capable da is and I, I i could definitely see myself getting a little frustrated with that because suns fans were very very frustrated with that It'll be fun to have two lob threats, though, at the rim with him and Robert Williams. Like It'll be fun to have
0: that with like Scoot. I think that'll be very helpful for him. Um, yeah. You brought up Cam Johnson earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you this question. Who would you rather have, Anthony Simons or Cam Johnson? Anthony Simons. Even like Cam Johnson being a good defender and like, bigger and can shoot well?
1: Anthony Simons. He is. Okay. Anthony Simons is just better with a ball in his hands. Anthony Simons can do more on the basketball court than Cam Johnson can. Like Cam Johnson is a pure pure shooter, but he's also right. older than Anthony Simons. He yeah. came into the league pretty pretty old. So he was old, yeah. Like Cam Johnson has developed into a good player, but you know he he's have we ever seen him get thirty five minutes a game? No. We saw Anthony Simons get 35 minutes a game last year and average 21 points per game, right? Like so if you you go and look at per 36 numbers for Cam Johnson, he's averaging like 20 points per game. It's actually pretty similar to Anthony Simons, but can he really truly score 20 points per game playing 35 minutes a game because there's an endurance element to that. There's a stamina element to that that, you know, that was a positive to see from Simons last year like, oh yeah, he was a 21 point per game scorer on okay efficiency. Playing almost the entire season playing big minutes night in night out being a big part of the opposing game plan so you know I think cam johnson might have to prove that this year and I think he'll have the opportunity to in brooklyn and that is something that I'll be looking for you know does his efficiency take a hit if he's taking more shots or you know late into games after he's played 35 minutes he's done it before in his career but it's a different thing to do it night in night out um, on an on an NBA schedule so I would take Anthony Simons over Cam Johnson. I think Anthony Simons has more room for growth just in terms of like his ability to create off the dribble. I don't think Cam Johnson will ever be a lethal, lethal threat off the dribble. I think Anthony Simons is progressing towards that direction. So I still think Ant has more upside and I think he's the better player right now. Um, No knock against Cam Johnson, but I'm very, very high on Anthony Simons.
0: Yeah. No, Cam's a good player. Um, I was just asked that the other day, and I thought about. I was like, "Yeah, that's actually probably closer than I think it is." But uh, I think you're right. And it's probably the right answer with that, and it's it's a lot because because of the potential. But I just thought it was an interesting question that you brought up, Cam Johnson. So it reminded me of uh, being asked that question. All right, let's wrap it up with this, Tori. We uh, we talked about the defense. We talked about the team. The win total for the Blazers is around twenty eight and a half. Uh, very low. I think I would take the over. I think they're a 30 win team. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm a little too positive on the Blazers. I, I actually think they have some vet, like the, the amount of vets that they have that are solid vets in the NBA is good. So I think if scoot is anywhere good, like I think he might be, he's just going to add another good player that can play. So I think they got like six or seven dudes that can play basketball. And for that, I think they can get 30 wins. But I think the other big question is to figure out if they're any good or not is defensively. Like, They've Blazers have been so bad the last, what, five years where they're bottom three every single season, it seems. Is this team going to be a top 20 defense? Like, I'm not even saying, like, average or above average. I was talking to uh, your boy, my boy, Chad, Chad Dewey. We were talking about the Blazers' defense. And, like, yeah, like it's like you said. They have pieces where you're like, this could fit. But at the same time, like, Who's their on-ball stopper? Like, who's guarding the guards? Is it Scoot? Like, you really going to throw the 19-year-old out there to try to guard all these all-star guards every night? Is it Anfrey Simons? I I don't know. It's not Thibault. Like, Thibault really good defender. All-league defender. But he's an off-ball guy. Like, he's an off-ball guy. He's a chase-down block guy. He's going to get in the passing lane get some steals. We talk about Jeremy Grant at Nauseam last season, how bad he was against guards. It's not him like they don't have that on ball guy. And then Deandre Ayton, we've talked about him and his lack of energy. I don't know, Tori. I think this defense is probably not even top 20 this season. And that's where I think you like you could talk me into saying the Blazers win 25 games. What say you? T- top 20 defense this year? If you just you know, we've seen no preseason, we've seen nothing. Just initial gut reaction. Top 20 defense. I think they're lower than top 20 and that's where you could talk me into less than 30 wins and go under the win total, but I don't know. Top 20? Yeah, no?
1: I think they'll be... I think they'll be a bottom 10 team in terms of opponent shooting, whether that's, um, you know, mid-range, three-point, around the rim, but I feel like they're going to be top 10 in forcing turnovers. So where does that leave them? I'm not sure, but I feel like the thing for this team is going to be to try and make defensive plays, try and block shots around the rim, and... I think that Chauncey might be willing to allow guys to overplay the perimeter, try and play the passing lanes, try and get up in a ball handler, pick a pocket, that sort of thing, because you have DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams behind them. And if DeAndre Ayton gets in foul trouble, Robert Williams is playing more minutes and you got an even better rim protector in him, in my opinion. So, you know, Jeremy Grant as a secondary rim protector if he's used in that role this year that's i think jeremy grant's best defensive role is helping out around the rim and playing passing lanes and that sort of thing so uh i don't know how well it will go for them but you know matisse Thybul tries to make defensive plays at times he's willing to get beat to try and block somebody or poke the ball from behind so i think that's going to be the mo for their this defense which is different than in past years i just don't know what it translates to
0: well, you did a great job of not answering the question. Um, so, <laughs> defensive rating at the end of the season—are they going to be a top twenty defensive rating team or not, Tory Jones?
1: They're going to be tied for twentieth with another team.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so top twenty. There you go. Look at you, optimism, optimism, Tory Jones, right there. What's so? You, you do yeah. a great job of answering questions without actually
1: answering questions. It drives me absolutely insane it's you know, insane. Sometimes I don't try and pretend like I know the answer to everything, you know? But it's, the, I feel it's like not that's even that you know the humility. answer. It's a take.
0: It's a take. It's a take. It is,
1: it is scorching trails. So, you know, I, like, I'll make like, a bold take when I want to make a bold take. I'll start off a show with a bold take, and then by the end, I'll give you answers like this where it's really not answers.
0: Like, I guess it's just my radio business coming out. It's like, you know what? If you have something to say, just say it. Like, you could be wrong. It's okay. Like, we've all been wrong before. I just... Sometimes you do this story, it drives me
1: nuts. But that's, you know, it is what it is. I, get you. I, you I top, gave you a detailed I you, answer. I broke it down you did. more than you wanted me to. That's what I do. You
0: broke it down and then you didn't even answer it. Top 20 defense. <laughs> well, they're going to be bottom 10 in uh, field goal percentage, but top 10 in turnovers. So what is that? I don't know. What, I don't know. What the, uh,
1: whatever. Uh, I'm glad you answered the question, though. That just it, It's funny. It's just funny to me. Here's a question for you before we head out of here. What do you, th- like, do you think defense is going to be the biggest problem next year? Like, what? specific issue do you think is going to be the biggest issue facing this team? Because I have an answer to this that I just want to see if you say the same thing. Well, I think it's
0: it's on-ball defense. I think that's the biggest question for me because, like, Thibault, I just don't think Thibault's that guy. He's kind of proven that he's not. He's a good defender. But, you know, I think it's just on-ball defense. Like, point-of-attack defense. Can you guard the ball? The Blazers haven't been able to do that for years. I think they have the help defense. I think, you know, with Aiden and with Robert Williams and Jeremy Grant, like you said, Jeremy Grant's a good win protector as well. Like, Feibel, he can, you know, block shots from behind. He can contest a little bit, get in past. I think they have help defenders. I think they're just going to still have trouble guarding the ball. And, and you know, they'll be a little better contesting, but dudes in the NBA are so good, contests don't even matter. Like, you got to really get hit people, to make a miss. So, I think, yeah, I think defensively, for me, it's always going to be the issue. Offensively, I think guys are fine. I think this team will be okay. They're not as good as last year, obviously. I think they're going to be an average offense at best, uh, maybe slightly above. But uh, I think defensively, yeah, that's where I'd go. I think
1: the biggest thing that might
0: – On-ball de- on defense specifically.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing that might plague them is turnovers. And we haven't really yeah, discussed that. So that's a good that. one. I think turnovers are going to be a problem. And part of that is like trying to get out on the break and maybe throw a lob or thread the needle will result in some turnovers, but those aren't necessarily as dangerous as like half court turnovers because normally in transition, you got some guys lagging behind the play. Like it's not just a pure transition opportunity for the opposing team, but Scoot's going to have some struggles turning over the ball as a 19 year old point guard. Like it's, Ian, the, it's the
0: in play turnovers, right? When the ball stays in play, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah. If it's a bad pass out of bounds, you can set your defense up, but it's, I think you're right. Like Scoot being 19, I think there's going to be some problems where he throws Bad passes that are intercepted. He's gonna just gonna kinda lose the dribble out top. Uh yeah, I think it's a good one. That's a good one,
1: Tori. Yeah. Sharp, you know, he had to work yeah. through some turnover issues last year. Jeremy Jeremy Grant even, you know, I I think he might have I don't remember, but I think he might have had more turnovers than assists last year. Not sure about that. Um T Steibel isn't the most skilled offensive guy. So I do think that turnovers are gonna be the number one thing that plagues the offense at least. Uh, and could be the main thing that holds them back from being an above-average offense.
0: Which I think early on in the season is why you may see a lot more Malcolm Brogdon than even we're expecting. Because, like, he, you know for whatever he is, like, he's a good player that doesn't turn the ball over much. You know, last year he was under two turnovers a game. So I think there's going to be a lot of times where Chauncey's like, you know what, I, I just can't let Scoot Henderson you know, lose the game. Basically I'm going to have Malcolm Brogdon not win the game, but he's not going to lose the game. And so I I think early on, especially there could be some Malcolm Brogdon games where he's getting a lot more minutes than we expect. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a great answer. Tori. Good job. I'll give you credit on that one.
1: (laughs) Nice to impress you before we sign off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great first episode. We impress each other. I got mad at you for not answering questions. Um, I forgot the name of the, of the actual (laughs) show.
1: (laughs) This is just gonna be something where we have a name, but you just never remember it. and You make it up as you go, huh?
0: Yeah. So uh, Flippin', uh, what? Flipping w- tails,
1: flipping blazers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, full disclosure: While we were trying to figure this out, I asked AI for some good podcast names. I think we could do that. Of top ten worst podcast name suggestions. By the fans in the comment sections and by AI that they gave me because there were some really bad ones.
1: My favorite one was Trailblazer Take Time. Trailblazer Take Time with Tori and Steven. I actually,
0: yeah, take time. You don't like That's it because the dad you, you coming out. You don't like that because you're not giving out takes, just like I told you know. that
1: The other one like that you'd see on friggin' Disney Channel for toddlers or whatever, like.
0: The other one I liked was, uh, PDX paint It podcast.
1: Yeah. Jordan you talked about, about. Love that one. Right? Yeah.
0: Paint it. Cause that was uh, it wasn't that exact one, but it was, uh, it was something like that. So
1: did you That's see, good. did you see sharp not know what paint a picture meant is like a phrase or maybe he did and was just confused about the question. Did you see that? Oh, I was, <laughs> yeah, was I was at media day. Paint yeah. A picture. Oh yeah. You were, uh, were you sitting I was... here with the interviews?
0: uh what do you mean like media day yeah i was in the back
1: hmm. i was looking for you i didn't see you I no i did. i
0: yeah i wasn't sitting i i i showed up right as Dwayne hankins started talking so i was almost a little late which is probably not the best but you know i have kids of course so you were. um of course you were. i got there i even wore jeans which is so uncomfortable but you have to i i've tried to wear shorts or i asked if i could wear shorts and i can't do that So, you know, I had my nicest clothes on that I could, you know, pull off. And, uh, yeah, I was in the back there with, uh, old TD voice of the blazes. Travis and Mercer just hanging out. Then he had to go do stuff. So I was just listening. But yeah, it was, uh, I believe it was quick. I think quick asked him like, Hey, can you paint a picture of like what that meant? And he's like, paint a picture. Like, what do you mean? Huh? (laughs) And then everyone's like, no, just like describe it. He's like, paint a picture. (laughs) <laughs> oh, describe okay, yeah. I think he just got thrown off like I don't know if I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't think anything of it. It just was kind of like I think it just threw him off a little Shaden's bit. Shaden's funny yeah.
1: man. I, lo- I love Shaden interview. Honestly, he's Shaden's cool, interviews, I might watch the most of just because he's he's just so chill and then he's just funny. Like he's just a naturally funny guy. He is, and he doesn't try to be. Yeah. So like I'd always watch nur- Nurk interviews cuz I was always always intrigued what Nurk would say. And then obviously Dame as well, and that's the thing with so many new guys on the team is like whose interviews are am I dying to see the most? Like Scoot obviously because of Scoot, but I think just Shaden because of the entertainment value.
0: I agree with you. That's uh, that's not a terrible take. Great, that's a that's a good take there, Tori. I may not agree with it, but good take. I'm proud of you on that one. For uh, <laughs> I don't I don't like that, <laughs> <I don't... laughs> I'm gonna judge your takes now. <laughs> I, I, Look, like, hey, and I say this all the time: you are whether you like it or not. Now that is the Blazers Uprise podcast network, Radio Blizzard, Blazers Uprise network. You're part of the media, bro. Uh,
1: you gotta have you gotta have hot takes. I'm trying to go away from being part of the media. That's why I rebranded the second channel to Blazers Uprise podcast You gotta have a take, though. You gotta have a take. I always have a take, Stephen. They get me in a lot of trouble on on various websites. Twitter oh, already. I c can't,
0: can't wait for that. Can't wait for all Blazer fans to start yelling at each other. Game one. Game one, preseason one against uh the New Zealand Breakers. We're all gonna argue about Chauncey Phillips' pick and roll defense is gonna be brilliant. Uh so I think we'll end it there. Let's end it there, Tori. Uh for my man, Tori Jones, Steven Vaughn. This is the uh
1: Scorched Trails. Scorching. It's, scorching a, it's a verb, so it's not like a past tense. It sounds more positive if we're scorching, not scorched. yeah, because we're because we're looking ahead, right? It's yeah, not, yeah.
0: it's it's not. We're not burning bridges from the back. We're looking forward. We're looking to scorching the trails of the trailblazers. Tory Jones, Steve Vaughn, sign it off. Peace. <laughs>